Church would like to welcome you to the Principles of Faith with Scott Gray. Join us for this message in Scott's series entitled, Make Plans. Jesus for being our brother. Now Holy Spirit, I just ask you to remind us that as this song says, every time our heart beats, that we'd be reminded of how much you love us and be reminded of how much we love you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for an opportunity to worship you. What a privilege. Thank you, Lord, for our freedom. Father, that we celebrated this week, the freedom to, first of all, to worship you. And we just thank you for that, Lord. Lord, it's freedom that you granted. Even though men fought and died for it, Lord, you granted it. And whether we had outward freedom or not, Lord, we have freedom to worship you, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, Father, I pray for each person in this room. <clears throat> and Lord, we pray for those who, who are tuning in, Lord, to this live stream. And we pray for people to tune into this live stream, Father. But, Father, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you're going to teach what you need to teach today. Father, what each person needs to hear. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher of the church. And we thank you for your presence with us. We honor you. We honor your presence. We don't take it lightly or for granted, but we honor you, Holy Spirit. And we say, have your way here. And teach us what you would have us to, te- to be taught. Let us hear what we need to hear individually. For each person here or each person listening and watching, but also as a church family. And Holy Spirit, whether it's through what's said or through what you speak into our hearts in that still small voice, we determine right now to receive from you what you have for us this morning. We declare we receive it. Say, I receive what you have for me. Holy Spirit, I determine to listen for your words Listen to your voice and receive what you have at this time. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, welcome. I know you've already been welcomed earlier, but welcome and to our continuation of this series on making plans. Make plans. It's important to make plans, not just to be some old dead fish floating downstream, right? We're supposed to be alive unto God. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be um, following after God's plan and purposes for our life. And that means swimming upstream sometimes. It means doing things deliberately. It means having discipline. It means um, being deliberate sometimes in what we do. And so there's a, there's a process of that. But anyway, 
this series came about, uh, I believe God was showing me that, that we need to emphasize the fact that we as individuals have to deliberately make plans. And part of that was, I believe he was dealing with me, that there's a difference between goals and plans. Now we usually set goals around here at the beginning of every year individually and maybe you do it as families and, and we typically do goals for the church. We have some continuing goals and, and we seek the Lord on what those goals should be. Those are like results that we want to see achieved and we pray over them, we dedicate them to the Lord and we speak God's word over them throughout the year and we expect them to come to pass. But there's a difference between goals and plans. Goals are the results. Plans are the things that you do that you make to get you to the goals. And so you can believe and stretch your faith out for the goals, but in a way there's a missing ingredient if you don't deliberately make any plans in conjunction with those goals to get you there. Because while we're believing and we release our faith and we have God's favor and we expect Him to, to work on both ends of situations and the Holy Spirit's at work in us and in people around us and in uh, people that He sends for us to find favor with, that he doesn't expect us to sit back either. He expects us to put our hands to the plow, so to speak, or our feet to our faith. And so that's where the plans come in. And so there's several key scriptures that we've emphasized in this series. And I'm just going to share those with you again to remind you of those. And then one of them is one we're going to emphasize more so today uh, in, in the, the message for the specific for today. So these are Proverbs 21.5. It says, The plans of the diligent. I emphasize that word, the diligent, because you've got to be diligent. We, there's no couch potato Christian that walk by faith. You've got to be diligent. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. There's so much in that verse. We, we could do a whole host of messages on that, things that go along and come out of that verse, but we don't have time. But, but just get the point that, that there's an advantage to making plans and diligently working those plans. There's great advantage to them. And on the flip side, which we don't want to spend time on, but just that there's a truth that if you're hasty in doing things and you don't do it according to plans, if you're, we could say, an impulse person, you're going to come to ruin because things don't work that way. God is a God of order. And we, we studied how He's a planner. He is, he is such an impeccable planner, all, just down to the level of perfection. And so he doesn't do things haphazard, and we shouldn't either. So then the second scripture, Proverbs 25, A plan in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. And we'll come back to that one later. And then this third one, which really was kind of the theme for part two in this series that we did last week on whose plans, God's plans. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. God has plans for us. And God's plans are not plans for sickness, disease, poverty, lack, disappointment, discouragement, depression. Those are not His plans. His plans are for our good welfare and therefore not for calamity. In case there was any confusion at all, if calamity comes in your life, did it come from God? No. He doesn't even have any plans for that for you. No plans. So that kind of debunks some of this false uh, theology that's going around. That, Well, anything that comes to me is God's will. 
And if, and if it's something bad, he's just trying to teach me something. He is all in his perfect plan. Is that what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? Does he have plans like that for you? That's a question. Does he have plans like that for you? No, it says that his plans are not for calamity. So if, if calamity comes, can it be a God's plan or God's will for you? Absolutely not. Now, God will help you through any calamity or tragedy or bad thing that comes in your life. And His helping you through and getting you through to a more positive outcome is something that will bring Him glory. And that's up to you in part to bring Him the glory and the honor through that. But God doesn't bring calamity. I, I can, I, we, could, we could stop there if you wanted to and we could talk about all kinds of other verses. I came across one again this week. that There, there is no, no evil in Him. And so, anyway, His plans for you are good and they're for a future. See, we shouldn't be believing like, well, I don't know how, what, what my days are and how many they're numbered. Or what. No, God's got a future for you. You need to be in agreement with that. And until you have peace that you fulfilled your purpose, don't let anybody try to talk you out of the rest of your life or end it early. He's got a future for you and a hope. Now, we know part of that is eternity with Him and eternal life, meaning in, in, in heaven throughout eternity. But He has a future for you. This is talking about here and now. He has a future for you and a hope. And it doesn't matter how late or how old you are when you get started. He's got a future for you to fulfill your purpose. And if you got a late start, that just means all the more quickly you can believe for it to happen. Because God's not limited, is He? Is He limited by time or shortness of time or by your, um, your faults and your weakness and that you got a late start? Is He limited by that? Absolutely not. He can help you to redeem the time. Now, don't put him off. Don't be, don't be the cause of any further delay. And that's why we're talking about making plans, right? Making plans to do what? To get in line with, with God's will for you. And, and that gets us to, to where we were. We talked about, you know, what, <clears throat> what does, what's the definition of a plan, a scheme of action or a procedure, uh, definition of planning. We'll come back to that later. But we defined what kind of plans we're talking about here. They're, they're biblical plans. And we said, well, what? If, if I'm making plans, whose plans should they be? Well, last week, part two, we talked about this. should be God's plan. <clears throat> and, we, and we saw the week before, the two weeks before, that God is a planner. And I'm not going to go through, but you can look at all the scriptures there, the recap on your sheet. Everything was planned. You can go back through the Old Testament. And, and everything that God did, He had a plan for it. He had a plan for creation. He had a plan for Adam and Eve. Now, they... They threw a kink in his plans. He planned for us to, to be in perfect fellowship with him throughout creation. And they sinned, and they didn't follow his plan. But guess what? He even had a plan for that. It's called the plan of salvation. And he started it in motion from the time that Eve sinned. Didn't he declare to her and the serpent right then that, that you will bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head or crush your head? That, the plan of salvation went into effect there. Now, it took... Thousands of years, many prophecies for it to be spoken into the earth. But then he had a wonderful plan for it to be fulfilled in Jesus coming to the earth. And that wasn't the end of it because he had to come. He had to grow up. He had to, he had to um, follow the, the leading of his father by the Holy Spirit just like we do. And he had to fulfill his ministry and his purpose and ultimately get tortured and beaten and die on a cross for our, and take our sins, our sickness, our poverty, all of that, on our our. Um, habits and our addictions. He took all of that on him and he went to hell. But he didn't stay there. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose again, right? All part of the plan. It was all prophesied. It all took place just as God said. And then Jesus had a plan for starting his church after that. 
And he had a plan for filling his followers with his, with his spirit on the inside rather than being on the outside like they were limited before. And he planned it and he even told them multiple times, wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. And then it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, exactly according to God's plan, what happened? Just what Jesus told them. The Holy Spirit came and filled each one of them. And then it was the perfect time, as God always is, that all these people were from all these countries were in Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost. They wouldn't have been there if it had happened a week earlier or two weeks earlier or a month earlier or a month later. But in God's perfect time, because why? He's a good planner. And when the day was fully come, it happened, and all these people were there in the streets, and they heard these, these men up in the upper room speaking in other tongues and worshiping God. And Peter comes out and preaches to the crowd that had gathered, and 3,000 got saved at one time and gave their hearts to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of them were baptized, and then they went back to all these places. Could you have figured that out on your own and planned that as good as God did? He's a planner. And then the church was birthed right then and there and went to many places, and then he sent the apostles, many of them. And we know about old Saul, the guy who was going around killing all the Christians. But guess what? God had a plan for him too and had a plan to change his name to Paul and change his zeal from, from kill to, to live and to promote and edify and to teach the word. And he went around and started churches, ordained deacons and elders, um, trained people and taught them the word. He would stay places for a year or two or months and months and teach the word and get the church grounded in the word. He'd go on to other places, went over almost the whole known world at that time, spreading the gospel and wrote two thirds of the New Testament. God had a plan for Saul, didn't he? And God had a plan for, for lots of things. I read the book of Acts, all the things that God had plans and for he has plans for how the church is supposed to operate. He gave us pastors and teachers and evangelists and um, apostles and elders and deacons and people called to do sound and people called to do cameras and people all do all say, Well, that's not in the Bible. Well, the Holy Spirit knows all those things. And greeters and feeders and, and all these different people to do and drummers and trumpeters and keyboard players. God has a plan. He has a plan for all to build up his body, his church. And God has a plan for the end times of how he's going to wrap all this up. And so he's, he is a terrific planner. But when we look at that, we see that we should, we're supposed to be like God. We need to be planners, but we looked at in part two last week. Whose plans is it? Is it just our plans? We just cook up stuff, dream up stuff? No, we're supposed to go with God's plan. And we saw a lot of scriptures last time about God's plans and how his plans stand forever. And if you line up with his plans, you're going you're gonna to be lined up right because his counsel is strong and Jesus never changes the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he, He's got a perfect plan for your life and he's never strayed from it. You may have. You may have thwarted it from time to time. You may have negated it from time to time, but he's still got a plan for you and he's sticking with it. Jesus is praying for you, interceding every day at the right hand of God for you to fulfill your plan. And, and if you hadn't even gotten started on it, it's never too late. You know how you know it's never too late? If you can go to the mirror and it fogs up in front of you, it's, ne it's not too late for you to fulfill God's plan for your life. And so if what we have to do is we have to cooperate with it. And we talked about uh, one of the principles we learned in our financial class from Ashley Teredes' book is he, he emphasized the words staying in position. So how do, how do you stay in the plan of God? You stay in your position. So part of that is you've got to be in position in order to hear and fulfill the plan God has for you. Well, what's in position? Well, what is my position in Christ Jesus? Tell me somebody. What's my position if I'm in Christ Jesus? I am the healed, the prosperous, the saved, 
The set free, praise God. What else? That's all? Does that cover everything? The delivered? Okay, set free, that's the same thing. Okay, so those things, that's my position in Christ. I'm the righteous too, by the way. And so when somebody comes along like the devil, trying to tell me that I'm in bondage, that I'm just good for nothing, you ain't no, you know, you're just a dirty, filthy rack. No, in my position, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if I let him or somebody else or even myself talk me out of getting out of my position, then I'm vulnerable to give up what's mine. I'm vulnerable not to be in a place to fulfill and to walk in God's plan for me because His plan for me is in Christ Jesus. It's important for me to stay in position. And in position, I've got His favor around me like a sh- I've got His word. I've got His promises. I've got His power. I've got His grace. I've got His forgiveness. Man, I can't lose as long as I stay in position. He's not going to knock me out of position. He wants me to stay in position. It's me that will either get myself out or allow myself to be talked out of position. It's important for me to stay in position. And in position, I can hear God's plan and I could be walking in God's plan. So important to, to stay in position. And when you get out, because invariably we sometimes do, recognize it and quickly get yourself back in position. You know, if you've let the enemy talk you out of your right to be healed, there's nothing wrong with getting sick, but don't want to stay sick because it's not your inheritance. It's nothing condemning about it if you do stay sick. We're not going to condemn you. We're going to love you anyway. But it's not your inheritance. So if the enemy, when you've been attacked with sickness or sickness comes on you for whatever reason, whether it's him or some other reason, don't go stand out in the, in the wintertime when it's 20 degrees with no clothes on or underdressed or whatever. But anyway, whatever it was that got you sick, don't let, don't let the enemy tell you you can't get quickly back in position and say, praise God, I might be sick, but I am the healed in Jesus. And you start speaking His Word. His Word is His plan. Start speaking that over you. and Not just speaking. It's not some magic formula or witchcraft. It's you're speaking in faith and receiving what that Word says by faith and aligning yourself with the faith of Jesus speaking over you. You're then in position to receive a manifestation of what belongs, right? Healing is yours. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. In Christ Jesus, you are the healer. Outside of Christ Jesus and on your own, you're on your own. But because you are a child of God in Christ Jesus, you are the healed. You are the delivered. You're the blessed. And so we got to stay in position. Very important to stay in position. And we learned that God's plans, they were formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. And he talked about the people. He's, he's, he called them, um, what did he call them? Woe to the, what children? Rebellious children who execute a plan but not mine. So... I didn't write this, but you, you can conclude from this that if we're over here in our own plan, even if it's something that's not so bad, you know, it's, might be, it might be doing good works. But if we're not doing it according to God's plan for us in our position, what does God call you? Rebellious. Rebellious. You don't ever want to be called rebellious, by the way. That's not a blessing when the Father God calls you rebellious. All of us have been there from time to time. All of us have been there from time to time in the natural with our natural parents. We've been rebellious. But that wasn't a blessing in the long run looking back, right? You parents would say, yes, amen. Because <laughs> it what did you know it hurts your parents probably more than you when you're rebellious? It really breaks their hearts. Um, and, and if you were, the, if you were the, the kid who broke your parents' heart, just know it does. It, it hurts them when you're rebellious. And it's not just because you're not doing what they say. They see you going astray. They see you getting out of your place. They see you getting out of God's will. And so rebellious is never a good thing. 
So it's important if you see, if you flip that verse around, that not doing God's plan is a rebellious thing. So therefore, doing God's plan will keep you out of rebellion. So it's important that we try to follow God's plan for our life. And when we're making plans, we first and foremost put a foundation down of God's plan, right? And so today, um, the message is we're going to talk about when, you, when you're making your plans, how do you plan? What, what is the way to plan? And so we're just going to look at a few scriptures. Most of them are in Proverbs. So if you want to, if you want to turn there, not we'll have them on the screen. And um, we're going to look at a few things it says about plans and planning. And then next week, um, we'll do the second half of this, of this third part about your plan. And we're, we're going to talk about specific areas. We're going to get it down to the, the practical, specific areas of your life that are important that you make plans for. Um, and we'll talk about some of those things and some of the, the things the, the Word says about those specific areas in your life that you can then take and it'll be more about what specific type plans to make for today we're talking about how to make the plan, how to make your plan, your part in fulfilling God's plans to achieve the goals that He's put on your heart to. So I'll remind you back again of that second of our, of our text scriptures, that Proverbs 20 verse 5. It says, a plan in the heart of man is like deep water. You know, deep water is good. Deep water is usually more still than the shallow water. The shallow water is rippling over the rocks and the terrain and so forth. But the deep water is usually out where it's more still because the current is flowing underneath and there's more life and stuff going on underneath. And, and the deep water, guess what? You can jump in without fear of getting hurt, okay? We were at the lake the other day. And we were kind of out in the middle of this cove, and, and we'd been tubing and all, and, and we decided to, to get out and swim a little bit one more time. It was later in the day. And, um, and so we, you know, we were out, I don't know, 100, 200 yards from the shore or whatever, and it was a pretty big cove, and so everybody was jumping in and so forth. And I had jumped in one time already, beat first, and the boat drifted a little bit and got back on and moved it out and got jumped off the other side, and I came back up and like, whoa, there's a bottom down here. <laughs> And, and it was only not, not too far over my head. <laughs> so I thudded on the bottom where I wasn't expecting it to be because we were out in the deep water. So I don't know if it was a sandbar or some, some area out there. Thankfully, it wasn't rock. <laughs> Thankfully, I went feet first because I wouldn't dive in head first. But, but, you know, I was expecting deep water <laughs> because it's safer in the deep water, right? And your plans, the plans that you, that you have in your heart, either that God's put there or that you have formed the desires of your heart, those plans are like they're way down there in the deep water. It's, it's deep. It's still. It's, it's, there's lots going on down there. And, they, and they're far down and it's safe, right? But guess what? They don't do any good down there. You've got to get those plans drawn out of those, those deep things, those deep thoughts, those deep um, big, what we call them, BHAGs, those big, hairy, audacious goals and the things that go with them to achieve them, they're way down there deep. And so sometimes we don't even know they're there. Sometimes meaning they're deep is we've got to stir them up, right? And stir up, you know, there's things on the, on the bottom of the lake or the bottom of the sea that, that are teeming with life, but some of them things down on the bottom. And so sometimes we stir them up, right? Catch things like shrimp. They're good, right? Most of us like shrimp. But there's deep things, but it says a man of understanding... See, they could just remain down there and, and remain hidden in the deep waters in your soul for all of your life. But it says a man of understanding knows how to draw those plans up out of you. Now, we're not just talking about 
you and you alone and you're self-contained and, and all of this. We're talking about God created you, right? Did He create your soul? He did. That's, part, that's one of the three parts of you. You are a spirit. When you, were, when you got born again, your spirit was born of the Holy Spirit and it was made perfect. But when you were born of your, of your, of your natural birth, you were born with a soul. Now that soul takes some saving over time after you get born again. Your soul's not immediately saved. The Bible talks about renewing your mind. And so it takes a process of time. And the Bible talks about the saving of your soul. It's a process, right? But you were created with a soul. And if it was created by God, it's not a bad thing. We've corrupted it with sin and bad thoughts and things we've done. But you have a soul. And part of your soul, your psyche, your soul, was God created you with creativity, right? Okay, let, let's go back to that then. Let's go back to Genesis 1.26, just so we're not confused or, or left behind. I don't want anybody to be left behind. God, God and Jesus said, let us make man. And, and what, in what form was he going to make man? What was he after? In our image. And he didn't stop there. In, also in our likeness, okay? If we were made in God's image and God's likeness, and God is the creator of everything in the universe and you were made in His image and His likeness, what kind of attributes do you have? He is, but what, what are some of those? You're, you're what? Creative, right? God is the most creative being there, there's ever been, right? Could you, in your wildest imaginations, dream up even half of this earth and how wonderful it is and how it all works intricately together and all these, and the birds and the fish and the, and the, the trees and things could crop up from seeds, you know, these little dead seeds in the right environment, turn into things and push their way out of the dirt and all this. I mean, are you kidding me? But, but as creative and as marvelous and miraculous as that is, we were made in that same image. So is it any uncanny thought that, that your soul, which was created by God, has some of that creativity built in? It's down in the deep parts. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's dissect this verse. Where does understanding come from? The Holy Spirit, right? Go read in Proverbs. In fact, we're going to do that later on. Understanding is something we're supposed to pray and receive from the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to receive wisdom, revelation, and understanding from the Holy Spirit. So you could look at this verse if you dissect it out from a new covenant perspective from this side of Jesus. And you could say, you know, we were created in God's image. In His likeness, we were created. We were created to be creative like He is, like our Father. And there's plans way down deep in our soul that were birthed into us because God knew our purpose from the moment He spoke us into existence when our parents uh, did what it takes for us to be procreated, right? And then He designed us to then be dependent on Him and the Holy Spirit to have understanding, to draw that creativity up out of us. Now, are some people creative without the Holy Spirit? Yes, but how much more creative could you be if you had the Holy Spirit? See, there's just some things that are just innate in us as being human beings created by God. But how much more at a higher level when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're listening to the Holy Spirit and receiving wisdom, revelation, and understanding to draw these things? See, God will put on your heart desires. He'll put on your heart goals. He gives you a purpose in life and He'll put on your heart goals to shoot for, right? What do you get if you're believing for nothing in particular? Nothing in particular. So you got to believe for something in particular, but in order to get there, He's created you to, to be able to make plans. But you got to draw them out. you got to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and understanding to draw them out. And so 
it's important that we recognize that and how we make plans is that we partner with our partner, the paraclete, our teacher, the Holy Spirit. And we trust Him to guide us, to give us understanding, and to guide us into making plans. So that's, that's first and foremost in how you make plans, is be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Be dependent on Him to speak to you, to act on His leading. You can practice that, by the way. We talked about that, I think, several weeks back. And just little things. I shared what He reminds me usually about every weekend to plug in my razor so that I have it. Just little things. Sometimes He'll prompt you as to you know, which, which route to take when you're going somewhere. You, know, you can go do Google Maps, but if God says go another way, go another way. You'll be blessed. Okay? We talked about even going into Walmart or somewhere. You know, God can prompt you, well, just turn into Walmart today. Well, God, I don't need anything right now. Just turn into Walmart. Why? Well, He's not going to tell you that till you turn into Walmart. <laughs> and you go into Walmart, and you might just run into the very person that He needed you to speak to today. Or Food Lion, or Harris Teeter, or Publix, whatever it might be. The point is, is just be obedient in the little thing. Okay, that's all part of this process of letting the Holy Spirit speak to you and, and make plans. So turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16, thank you Lord, in Proverbs. Proverbs 16, and we're going to look at a couple of verses. And verse 1 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Kind of goes along with this Proverbs 20 verse 5. And the, the plans are yours. The plans belong to you. They're, de they're deep water down in your soul, right? But then the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So when you draw those plans out and you start speaking them out, that's from the Lord. If you're listening to Him, and it's the plans He's put in your heart. But the plans belong to us. So that implies to me that it's important that we want... It's a truth that we have plans, but it's another thing. I need to be making them. I need to be drawing them out, right? Not just sitting on the, on the couch at home, eating chocolate candy and, you know, eating donuts and watching the prices right or as the stomach turns or whatever it is, and expect plans to happen, right? And expect goals to be accomplished. It usually doesn't work that way. Right? And so the plans are in there. They're, they're, they're mine, and that piece is my responsibility. All right, look at verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Okay, so when I draw them out, how do I know they're going to be grounded? They're going to be established. Well, if I commit my work, in other words, what I'm going to do with the plans, if I commit my time, my effort, my energy to God, to honoring Him, He will establish my plan. Now, you could take that several ways, potentially, meaning that He's establishing the plans in, in me that I'm drawing out. But you could also take it that as I make plans by the leading of the Holy Spirit, He's going to establish those plans. They're going to be built and they're going to stand firm, right? Like those scriptures we saw last week about His plans. Your plans will be like His plans. He will establish them, like he said about his, from generation to generation. All right, look at verse 9. It says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So again, you have your part. He has the part that he committed he would do. All of it takes your cooperation. All, all of it takes you relying on the Holy Spirit. But the plans, it says, are from the mind of man. But the Lord directs it. So even though you can make plans, you need, to, you need to be wholly dependent on God to walk those plans out, to fulfill those plans. Because again, He knows the right connections you need to make with other people. He knows the right timing that you need to act on with your plans. He knows the right circumstances. All these things, He knows all this. And so 
And, and we already established, he's, he's the ultimate planner. He was from the beginning. He planned the earth and everything that's in it. And we, we talked about that when we talked about Genesis 1, that first message. God didn't just wake up someday, you know what, let's create an earth. I wonder what that would be like. This. No, 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 no. It says his spirit was hovering over the face. They had plans and they enacted them one right after another. I say they because all, all three parts of God were involved. You can read about it in Genesis 1 and in John chapter 1. And so God's like that. He wants us to be like that. And so he will direct our steps, our steps of carrying out our, if we'll commit what we do to him. All right. So thinking about this, we had mentioned when we talked about God had plans for people and we went through a number of characters in the Old Testament. And Joseph was one of them we mentioned, how God had a plan for his life, how he, even though his brother, what his brothers meant for evil, God turned into good and he had already shown him in dreams what his ultimate purpose was in life. And then when he got down to Egypt, he found favor and then he fell out of favor and then he got back into favor and then ultimately in front of Pharaoh and God had a plan for that because he not only wanted to save Joseph's or Jacob's whole family, all the Israelites, the chosen people of God's covenant with Abraham, but he also saved Egypt and any other people that came to them because God had a plan to feed them in a famine that he knew was going to hit the earth. And so he had a plan for Joseph's life. But let's just look at Joseph because there's some significant things about him and about what we're talking about today about his part in what he did. So if you'll turn back to Genesis chapter 39, and let's just look at a few verses here. It talks about Joseph because Joseph wasn't a puppet on strings that God was maneuvering to make all this happen. Joseph had to cooperate with this. Joseph had to draw things deep down out of himself. But from a young, young child, he had a, he had a heart to listen to God. God spoke, showed him dream, Shala. He showed him dream, even as a younger boy. And, and I know you've experienced it from God, but he, he showed him dreams. And, and Joseph was just so humble and naive about it that he would just share them because he just thought it was amazing what, what he thought God was putting in his heart. Now, everybody wasn't so happy about it, by the way, were they? When he shared his dreams with his brothers about their sheaves bowing down to his sheaves and all this stuff, and they, they, didn't really, they weren't really blessed by that. <laughs> for some reason. And, and they got offended. And so, well, I don't know how he shared it. I don't know if he was sharing it humbly or not. You, you, get the, you get the impression that he was a humble guy through all of these circumstances he went through. He just had a heart for God, like David. But you know what? You can't, you can't share your plans with everybody. We talked about that, I think, the very first message, that, that some people are just faith killers. You can't tell them everything that God has shared with you. Because all they're going to do is try to talk you out of it or tear you down or make fun of you or whatever. So you need to use wisdom from the Holy Spirit and leading of the Holy Spirit in whoever you share with. But we said that, that plans are a way that if you have faithful people who you do share and get involved in your plans, it's a way to get them to join their faith with your faith. But you can't do that with people who don't have faith or don't live by faith, you know. I'm not, I'm not saying cast them aside, but I mean, we're talking about specific things here, about plans for your purpose and, and God's calling on your life. You can't just share that with everybody. It won't go well for you. You need to you, be wise about it. So anyway, whether he was wise or not, it, he, he fell out of favor with his brothers, and you know the story. They threw him in a pit. They went off for a while, and while they were gone, the Midianites came, got him out of the pit, and sold him into slavery. And they came back, and he was gone. Now, they were going to do the same thing, but they were going to sell him to the Ishmaelites, but you can read the story uh, back before this. But anyway, so he got down to Joseph uh, to Egypt, Joseph did, 
and he was sold to this high-ranking official in Pharaoh's, um, it was the head of his captain of his bodyguard named Potiphar. And so you look in, in starting in verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Now here's a slave, and God was with him and, and made him successful. Do you know you carrying out your purpose in life, you carrying out individual plans to your purpose and your, and your specific goals is not dependent on your circumstances? Here's a man who was a slave, and God's favor was on him, and he was, a, it says, a successful man. Now, in our culture, we don't even consider slavery as an option, and we shouldn't. Thank God it's been abolished. In most countries around the world, it's been abolished. But we would say, if somebody was a slave, well, there's no way they could prosper. There's no way they could be successful. Do you know God's not limited to that? Not limited by that. Here was Joseph, a slave, and God said he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now, verse 3 is the, is the key verse here I want to look at. Now, his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Even Potiphar saw the favor of God on Joseph. But it wasn't just because Joseph was going around sharing scriptures with Potiphar. He probably didn't even share a scripture with Potiphar. What did Potiphar see? What was the evidence? He saw Joseph working with his hands and being faithful, and how that was being blessed phenomenally by God, and that's where he saw that God's favor was. Here's a pagan guy, he doesn't even know God, but he can't even deny that here's this slave who's doing his work faithfully and carrying out what he sees to do with integrity and faithfulness, and he's becoming successful at it. And, and even the master sees it. So that implies some important points here. Joseph worked, right? He didn't sit around and be forced as a slave to do what he was doing. He was a willing worker. And it says he worked with his hands. He, didn't, he wasn't, also wasn't waiting to be told what to do. He had plans. He saw what he was given responsibility over. He made plans and he went about doing it, carrying it out. That was a key to his success, along with the favor of God on him. But the favor of God could be there and be dormant if Joseph wouldn't do anything. If Joseph was just sitting by waiting to be beaten... To, to do what he was supposed to do and whipped into submission, we would not be reading this. But Joseph worked diligently with his hands. Commit your works unto the Lord and all your plans will be established, right? Did Joseph live that out? Absolutely. Let's read on. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. So here's his first promotion. And, he, and then he made him overseer over his house, his second promotion. And then all that he owned he put in his charge. It came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So Joseph wasn't just becoming a house servant or his personal servant. He, was the, he managed the household. And not only did he manage the household, he managed the estate and all the fields and everything. And because, now, now could Joseph do that just sitting around being lazy and not drawing out any plans? No, Joseph did plans so much so that look, look what Potiphar had to do. Verse 6, so he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge and with him there he did not concern himself with any, anything except the food that he ate. Potiphar didn't even have to tell Joseph what to do. He didn't have to give Joseph the plan. Now, Joseph, here's the plan for today. Now, before noon, I want you to do this, 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 and this. We know that wasn't true because it says Potiphar didn't concern himself with anything except what he ate himself. 
Who made all the other plans and carried them out? Joseph. Did God bless Joseph? He did, didn't he? Did God bless Potiphar because of Joseph? He did. Can God bless you when you follow his plans and work diligently and commit your works to the Lord? The answer is yeah. That's a week eight. Two of you know that he will do that. Yes, he will. Follow Joseph's example. Then look over in verse, um, and we know what happened to Joseph. The Potiphar's wife seduced him and got it, lied about him and got him into trouble and got him thrown into to prison. But then look over in verse 21. Here he is in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. And the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Did Joseph do the same thing act the same way, was the same kind of a planner and worker in jail, in prison, as he was in Potiphar's house. Absolutely. In fact, he must have been, before he was even recognized, he must have been doing something without being asked for the, for the, for the chief jailer to recognize that in him and give him responsibility, right? And then the more he gave him, he ended up supervising the whole place to where the chief jailer didn't even have to be concerned with it, just like Potiphar. Joseph made plans, carried them out, had God's favor on him, and it was all prosperous. So not only are you not bound, limited by if you're a slave, he wasn't even limited by being a slave in prison. He was still blessed, and he was still making plans. He was still carrying out plans. He was still working hard with it and, and being faithful in whatever he was given. To do. Now, all that just leads up to what we know then happened to Joseph that we mentioned those several weeks back, and that when Pharaoh had the dreams, right, and nobody could interpret then they remembered, oh, there's this guy down in prison that interprets dreams. His name's Joseph. Let's call him up. And we know that Joseph, before he went into Pharaoh, he cleaned himself up. He got ready. He got dressed up and all this stuff. So, again, faithful, diligent. He planned. He didn't plan to just walk into Pharaoh in his, his holy jeans and, and flip-flops and, and torn t-shirt, right? He, went, he, he cleaned himself up and he, he got prepared to go in, in Pharaoh's court. He was always diligent. He was always making plans. wonder why God used him so greatly. And then we know the rest of the story. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And then Pharaoh's like, well, you know, what would I do with this interpretation? What, what are the plans? And, and Joseph said, well, if it was me, I, here's what I would do. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. And, and Pharaoh said, well, I need a man that's going to take care of all this for me. How about I just appoint you? And he made him the prime minister of the whole country. Gave him his own signet ring. Gave him a chariot gave him the highest rank, second only to him. Well, that's wonderful, right? That's favor, that's blessing and so forth, that's prospering, that's successful. But then what did he have to do? Did all of those crops and all those storehouse cities get, get just happen automatically? No, Joseph went out through the whole country buying crops for the seven years of blessing, right? And, and put, them, put back a fifth of the crops every year, built these cities, these storehouses, these these guarded, walled um, storehouse cities to put all this stuff in that were, that were to be under the name of Pharaoh and owned by the, the government, right? He had to make all these plans to have all this done and went through the country and carried it all out. And then when the famine hit, who was in charge of administering all this stuff? Joseph. It didn't just happen automatically. Nobody had ever done this before. 
he had to make he had to be diligent, just like he was in the jail, just like he was in Potiphar's house, just like he was when he lived in his father's. Very important biblical principle you can learn from Joseph. And I know people have written books about Joseph, somebody, one of the written books about Joseph. But you could read about Joseph in more detail. But the point is, is that Joseph was a planner and he was a man of understanding. He had God's favor on him, but he had to plan, he had to work, he had to be diligent, he had to be disciplined, and he had to follow the leading the steps of the Lord to do these things. It all took wisdom, but it took understanding from God to draw out these intelligent plans that he had saved millions of people from starvation, particularly his own family, which was the covenant family of God. And then you know the story. They came down to Egypt to buy grain, and Joseph sold them some grain. They came back. Anyway, there was a trick to get them to come back and to bring his father back, and then he revealed himself. And they were all thinking, well, he's going to kill us now. He's going to get his revenge. And know what did he do? He said, no, what you meant for evil, God turned to good for such a, that many could be saved by one. Even in that, he didn't, he wasn't, a, he wasn't angry, he wasn't bitter, he wasn't revengeful. He saw how God was using and used his, the plans that he had planted in him, creativity he had put, the favor he had in his life, and his willingness to work and carry it out to save his whole family. He saw it as a blessing. It wasn't God's will for his brothers to hate and to treat him bad or, or him to become a slave. But it was God's will for him to save his family. And God used all those things along with Joseph's planning and hard work and understanding to accomplish the goal, fulfill the purpose of his life, right? The favor alone wasn't enough. Say, well, God's favor is not enough. No, God's favor is on all of us. But we can't just sit here in these chairs in this room the rest of our lives and see our purpose fulfilled, right? The favor is not enough by itself. The favor is key. But the fact is, we have to commit our works to the Lord. We have to ask for understanding to draw plans out. We have to ask for the goals we're shooting for and our purpose to be identified. And then we have to do the plans, make plans to fulfill all that. Depending on the Holy Spirit for the understanding and committing our ways and works to the Lord for Him to show us and direct our... See how He fits it all together? God is a planner of how He created us so well, but yet He created us to have a relationship. But it's our choice right? As, as much as we can find some Josephs in the Bible who did what Joseph did, can't you think of a gazillion people you know who are just the opposite, who, who are not fulfilling any purpose in life, who are just wasting their lives away? Whether they're, whether they're successful in the world's eyes or not, they're, they're wasting their lives away with no purpose, no, fulfilling no purpose in God's kingdom. You know a few people like that? It's a tragedy, but yeah, we all do. And so we can learn something from Joseph about planning. He was a good planner. All right, well, you were in Proverbs 16, so go back to Proverbs 15 and verse 22. And it says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. This is a very important truth, and it's just as valid in the new covenant we live in as it was at the time. This is that without consultation, plans are frustrated. And so whether you feel like you're alone or whether you are in a position where you have many godly people around you to counsel you, you can still get the counsel of the Lord, right? But without counsel, without consultation, often plans get frustrated. And so it says here, but with many counselors, they succeed. And so then in Proverbs 20, verse 18, it says, prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance, okay? It's good to bounce things off of either the Word of God or some godly people 
Maybe you have a mentor or maybe you have several mentors, spiritual mentors that can listen and, and just be somebody for you to, to, to be a sounding board to and to help give you some wisdom and guidance. You know, they can be used by the Holy Spirit. But it says prepare plans by consul. Because you're drawing plans up out of your soul, and we said your soul is not completely saved, right? It's in the process of being saved. You have the, you have the potential of being wrong, or you have the potential of missing it. Yes, you, <laughs> and me too. As sweet as you may be, you had the potential of missing it, right? Or misinterpreting, right? Or not getting understanding to confirm your plans. And so it's a good thing to not... What, did, what does that scripture say about being hasty? What, what happens to the hasty? Come to poverty, right? So even with good plans, it's not a good idea to be hasty about them, right? Now, I'm not saying put them off and be a procrastinator, but don't be hasty, right? It would be good to, to just kind of get grounded, soak it in, make sure you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. The one thing you definitely want to do is make sure it lines up with God's Word. If any plans that, are, that you're drawing up out of your soul, and even you think you may be hearing from God, if it contradicts what God's Word teaches, you, you need to wait at, at a minimum and see where you're missing it, or see if you need to tweak it a little bit, or see if you just need to, well, that was, that was indigestion or something. That wasn't, that wasn't God. I wasn't hearing God's voice because he will never tell you to do anything that is in opposition to his word, to this. And if, if you find out something that is, that's a good time to stop. But again, another part of that is, if you don't know what this says, are you going to be able to enact that check in your life? So important to know what the word says and be a student of the word, right? So that you can compare what comes up in you. Compare the plans that you're developing, that are being created in you, that you're creating or that you're um, planning, that they're from God. Because if they, if they contradict this, and the only way you know this is if you know this. Now, I'm not saying you have to know everything and have this whole Bible memorized, but continue to study the Word, you know? And if you do that and you're depending on the Holy Spirit for understanding, He'll take you to the Word you know or bring up in you the Word you know to warn you, hey, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's not the right plan. Hold on there. Hold on there. Here's what this scripture says that you know, and he'll bring it up to you. But if you don't ever sow anything in you from the word for him to use, it's going to be a little difficult. So it's important to, to along with being a planner and be willing to plan and work hard and commit your works to the Lord, that you be a student of the word so that you have some way to check and to balance. Are these plans from God or am I just dreaming this up? See, Joseph didn't dream up his own dreams. God gave him, right? God gave him the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. He didn't just make that up. So it needs to line up with God's word. But we need to have something to consult with. And so what I'm saying is this is first and foremost the counselor, this and the Holy Spirit who t reveals this. And then, like I said, if you have a spiritual mentor, someone stronger and more mature and older, don't, don't go to someone that's less mature in the word of God than you to be your mentor. That just doesn't make... If you're, if you're going to listen to someone, whether they're officially your mentor or whether they're just someone you go to for counsel here, here and there or, or, or occasionally, be sure you pick somebody who's, who's more mature in the Word. Now, I'm not saying they have to be older in age. They might even be younger in age. But pick somebody who is more mature in their relationship with God and in this Word than you are to get your counsel from, to be one of your counselors if you're going to go to someone. And it is good to have other people. But again, don't let them take the place of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and, and God's Word are your first two counselors, right? 
that you should consult with. But they will sometimes use a mentor in your life or a more mature Christian. We're talking about how to plan. This is some practical teaching. And so how to plan. We're talking about these, these practical things you can do to make your plan to fulfill the goals God's given you and your purpose in your life. All right, so look at, um, well, you don't have to look at it, but it was a verse we had last time in part two. We were talking about God's plans, but in Proverbs 19 and 21, it says, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. The counsel of the Lord will stand. So there may be, like we said, all the plans that come up in you may not be plans from God, but when you're drawing up those plans and drawing them out of, of your soul, get God's counsel because His counsel will stand. And we were just talking about that, where you go to consult and so forth. And then we just read a verse over in Proverbs 16, verse 3, that says, Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. So in the process, commit that when you do put this to action, when you put your hands or your feet to it, that you're going to commit that to God and let Him establish. All of this is... The foundation is God's plan. Then the plans that we make out of our own soul that we draw up with the understanding of the Holy Spirit that we make have to be consulted with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, or godly wisdom from someone who's sharing it from the Spirit of God. And in doing so, we commit those actions, we commit that process, we commit the ultimate work we're going to do to the Lord. You can be confident that God will establish. Does God want to see your goals? accomplished. He's working with you. We can be confident in that. Does God want to see you fulfill your purpose in your life, fulfilled life, and it's time for you to, to give up the ghost and go be with Him that, that you know you've done, accomplished everything He called you? Absolutely, that's His will for you. And don't let anybody talk you out or short change. And then in Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8, I was reading this this morning, and we're talking about consultation. And in that Proverbs twenty eighteen, it said, prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. The wisdom of God even if you use a mentor, the wisdom of God is what you're seeking after. When Proverbs chapter 8, it talks about, it's like wisdom personified. And it says wisdom calls, right? Wisdom's calling out. It's calling out for people. Who, uh, it says, to you, old men, I call, and my voice is the sons of men. Wisdom is, is drawing us in, wanting us to, to come receive. God's wisdom is calling to us. God's wanting to give us wisdom in this process. It's His wisdom that He has created and laid up for us. And it's calling out. But there's two things it says in this chapter we have to do. In verse 6, the first thing is it says, listen. Wisdom's calling out there all the time. Are many people listening? Look at our culture. Look at the way most people's lives are going. Are they listening to the wisdom of God? I don't think so. But can you listen? Are you able and capable of listening for the wisdom of God? You must be, or he wouldn't put it in here and say, listen. If it wasn't possible, God wouldn't put it in here. But listen. He says, listen. For I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. You can't go wrong with God's wisdom. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands, again, understanding, and right to those who find not. So wisdom will never, God's wisdom will never steer you wrong. And it's calling out. It's free. God's always broadcasting, right? The problem is we don't always get tuned in to the right frequency. But if we get tuned in, He's always broadcasting, and He's broadcasting His wisdom to us. And as we're going through this process of walking out our calling, our purpose, our mission, and we're, and we're 
believing God for goals and, and we're saying, God, show me the, the creative plans you have that you've sown into me. Help me, Holy Spirit, by your understanding to draw them out. And I'm going to make sure, confirm that, they're, that they align with the Word. Give me wisdom. Wisdom is out there for, free of charge. Call in our name. But we got to listen. The second thing says in verse 10 is, Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot compare with her. You got to take it. You can listen to God's wisdom, but if you don't receive it, you know, you ever known somebody, you share what the scripture says about something that they're going through, the answer to their problem, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I know, that's, that's what the word says. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Now, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And then you're like, well, can I pray for you to receive? No, no, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to pray right now. No, no, thank you. I, you know. Well, if you, if you agree it's God's word, why don't you want to receive it? But there are people, many of and we may have been in this situation ourselves from time to time. We, we acknowledge it's God's word. Now, some people won't even acknowledge it's God's word or it's from God. But often people will acknowledge it's from God or especially when you read it right out of the Bible to them or show it to them, but they still won't receive it. Well, we don't teach it that way at our church. Okay, but I'm not talking about your church or your church theology. I'm just talking about this, this verse right here in the Bible says, if you will do this, <laughs> you can receive this. Well, we don't know. My pastor says that that's not for us today. That was for the apostles and it died out with them. Okay, <laughs> all you can do is pray for ignorance and bless their hearts. <laughs> I mean, you know, but there are people who will, who will acknowledge even wisdom, will listen to it, but will not receive But if you listen and don't receive it, it will not do you any good. You have to do both. You have to take what the wisdom says. And take mean, receiving means you take it for yourself and you act on it by faith. So the thing to do with, if you're sick or if you share a, a scripture on healing with someone who's sick, the thing would be to act on it, right? Say, by his stripes, you were healed. Do you believe that's in the Word of God? Yeah, I believe it's in the Word of God. Okay? Can we agree then that we're believing for you to receive your healing because it belongs to you and you're a child of God, you've prayed, you've been born again, that we're calling you the healed? Oh no, I'm sick. The doctor said I've got so-and-so. Well, yeah, that might be the, the facts. But we just read this verse that says, By His stripes you are or were healed. Are you the healed? No, I'm, I'm sick as I can be. They're not receiving it. You have to read the wisdom from God, from God's Word. It's calling out, but you have to read All right, then Isaiah 32 and verse 8 says, But the noble man devises noble plans, and by noble plans he stands. The noble man devises noble plans, and by noble plans he stands. <clears throat> does, the, does it say the noble man hears every part of his plan from God? Or that God gives the noble man the noble plan. Now there's a partial truth to that. But no, it says the noble man devises plans. He comes up with plans. Now we just described the process of how you ought to do that. You do it based on God's plans as your plan for life, your foundation. He's the one who created creativity and planning and intelligence in you. You draw it out by understanding from the Holy Spirit. You compare it to the Word of God and the wisdom of God and you act on it and you commit your works to the Lord. But in doing that, you're devising plans. You're not sitting around idle. You're, you're devising these plans. Yes, you're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're dependent on God, but you're doing the devising, right? We're not supposed to sit around and do nothing. We're supposed to devise plans. Part of it may be going looking at property. <laughs> you never know. There might be a divine connection there. Part of it may be just being faithful in the jail. 
or faithful at your employment. You know, you might not be a slave in Potiphar's house, but you might be a, a worker in your company. And so being faithful and putting your hands to things and planning, even when the owner or the boss doesn't tell you exactly what to do, you plan and you do the right thing and you know what's right and you go about it being diligent and doing your work hearty as unto the Lord and knowing God's favors on you. And you're staying in position. I am the righteous. I have the mind of Christ. We miss those, right? I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. God blesses the work of my hands and everything I put my hands to, it shall prosper. That's your position, right? All, it all fits together. And then we shared, all this is planning that you're doing. We shared a definition of planning back there the first week. And what was it? Identifying or outlining a plan, a scheme of action for your faith. Identifying or outlining a scheme of action for your faith is planning. And we said planning is faithful. So it's important that we do planning as well as goal setting and that we plan for our future, right? And the last thing I'm going to share is, and we, and we saw some examples of where Jesus would spend time, you know, go up on a, a mountain or a high place or spend time maybe all night with, with God or before he would go to another place. Sometimes he would tell the disciples to go on and he'd join them later. But I think a key point is time spent with God or time spent in his word can equal planning time. Say, well, I've got, I've got a, a, you know, a new job or a new responsibilities coming up, so I need to spend some time planning. Okay? Well, I would highly recommend that, that you commit at least some time at the beginning for the time you're going to set aside for planning and just spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time in His Word or, or both. You know, maybe, maybe part of your time with the Lord is just worship, just thanking Him you know, on your knees or in your chair or in your room or in your closet or wherever, wherever you can go to spend time alone with the Lord, out in the park somewhere. I don't know. You, you, you have to decide that. But spending time with Him, worshiping, communing with Him, I would say incorporate the Word somehow in that. And, and that time that you give to that relationship, discussion, fellowship, whatever you want to call it, do you know you can get some of the most detailed plans that God will just speak to you out of those times? To me, I've seen that work where you know, you got something you've been pondering and mulling over in your mind for days or weeks or months even, and you've just been thinking about all the options or you've been thinking about, you know, what will I do? Or I don't have the answer, but here's the situation. And I, I know God's, you know, got an answer, yada, yada. And sometimes you just get alone with God and just spend time. You just worship Him. Maybe even you don't even thinking about those questions or those issues or those plans. You just dedicate time just to worship, no strings attached. And spend time to Him. Do you know He can speak to you something in a sentence that could answer one of the biggest dilemmas in your life? Just like that. And you could have spent days planning and researching and thinking it all, thinking it all through without Him or without the Holy Spirit and still not have the answer. You could get ten other people around you and do the same thing with you and still not have the answer. But God could just drop it into your heart, your spirit, actually into the heart of your soul where your plans come he could do it. Just go do this. Or how about this? Something you even thought of. You never even thought you could think of it. Why? Because he's God. He's got all the answers. He created you even. And he's the one who designed you to do what only you can do best and called you and placed you on this, on it, where you're at with a purpose and gave you goals, given you creative plans for you to draw out with his help, right? It's so much more efficient, really. <laughs> Than, than to struggle and to, to, to strain and to, and to spend all the time we would spend in our own strength 
to spend time with Him. And you may not get it this time. You may get it three days from now. But either way, wouldn't it be great to just get it from God? And, and not only that, but you would know, hey, that's that same voice I've heard a thousand times. I know that was God. And then you say, and, and it lines up with the Word, because the Word says this, and He said that. So, hey, I'm done. I'm done here. Now I can go, I can go start on it, right? I can go carry it out. I can go put the details around it that God's given me the, the wisdom to do, right? God is good. He does not want us wandering around in the dark and, and figuring out aimlessly where to go. God has, has given us the ability, as that verse says, to devise noble plans. But He's given us a process of how to do it. And it still depends on Him, right? And depends on what He's created us to do. But it's very important to plan. But it's very important to plan based on God's plans and do it the way God told us to do it. And let the Holy Spirit lead. Thank you for joining us today. This message is brought to you by Hope Church. If you would like more information about Hope Church or to listen to more, please go to www.hopechurchnc.org. That's www.hopechurchnc.org.